Thank you, Lord, for this awesome opportunity to be in your presence. Thank you, Lord. We don't take it for granted. We know it's an honor. It is a privilege. We don't tell you that enough. We thank you, Lord, for instruction for our daily life and success in you, in your kingdom. Teach us your kingdom ways. Have us come alive to these things afresh. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So I thought today we just chill a little bit. Now, and uh, uh, and um, I want to share some things with you of what every warrior should know. What every warrior should know. Amen. What every warrior should know. Your God is the God of the land. He establishes it for his people. Amen. So whatever you possess, your God owns it. Okay? He's the God of the land. So he, uh, um, he is the one in charge. He is the one that has permanent possession. God establishes people um, in different places that serve him. For instance, this country, America, was established by people who serve God, who were escaping uh, to be able to worship God freely. Uh, there was great persecution. Uh, in, in Europe, many of the nations there had established government churches. They had government-controlled religion. Uh, in England, it was pretty scary at times because one day you had to be Protestant, the next day you had to be Catholic, depending upon who the king or the queen was. And so the people wanted the freedom to be able to worship God in the way that they saw fit. And they determined that they would not stop until they accomplished that purpose. So this nation is dedicated to God. So in response to God sending them to a place where they could freely serve him and worship him, they in turn dedicated this nation to God. That cannot be broken. Amen. Amen. That is a blood covenant that cannot be broken. And so once something is dedicated to God, he has every right to lay claim to it, to manage it, and to do what he needs to do as far as, as his people are concerned. In Second Kings 17, if you'll turn there real quickly, and I'll give you a biblical example about God being in charge of uh, things and uh, in this this instance okay, 17 where do I want to go 24 <clears throat> the uh, uh, Israel uh, had fallen into sin against God and their capital of Samaria was being sieged by the Assyrians and Philistines this is whenever God's people ceased serving him their covenant was in jeopardy. So many times God would use bondage to their enemies to teach them to serve him. You know, this is, and he, all he was doing was keeping his word. He said, if you diligently hearken to me, you do what I tell you to do, is all good. But if you don't obey me, there's a penalty for that. And so when Israel would fall into the hands of their captors or into the hands of their enemies, it was because they were disobedient to God. Now, the simple thing is that they would repent and start to worship God again. 
It's amazing how that worked then and how it works now. Got me? Just get off your high horse, admit you were wrong, you made a mistake, and get on your knees and ask forgiveness, and God will reestablish you. But in 2 Kings 17, in verse 24, it says, The king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, from Kuthna, from Ava, from Hamath, from all in places, in the cities, them, and they placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. So here they are dispossessed by some people that know nothing about their God, know nothing about the culture, etc., etc. They possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they did not fear the Lord. This was God's land. They got on God's land and disobeyed him just like the Israelites did, and they suffered the same fate. So when you are not in the will of God, when a people refuse to yield to God or serve God, they suffer just like the people they dispossessed. So God establishes that he is in control of that land. I don't care who it is. I don't care what kind of... Uh, power they think they have what what kind of uh, authority they feel they have if god is not pleased with it if you're not following god's orders to worship him he has a right to come and dispossess people and so it says here that they did not fear the lord therefore the lord sent lions among them and killed some of them these were the people that thought they could take over now already israel's been disobedient and they had to leave now the people who replaced them come in. They're not obedient to God either, and they got to leave. You understand what I'm saying? God owns the land. He is the possessor of everything, and he will have a people who will obey him. He will have a people who will worship him. He will have a people who will honor him, or nobody's going to be able to stay there for very long. Amen? So he says, they did not know the God of the land. It says, in, when he slew some, verse 26, Wherefore they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which you have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria don't know the manner of the God of the land. They don't know his ways, but this is his property. So what we got to do is figure out how to please him so we can have some peace. And that's what's happening in the earth today. That the God of this land, this nation, America, has come back to take it again. You got it? He has come back to take it again. And so <clears throat> it says, uh, the, uh, he said, uh, where was I? Verse 26. Therefore he sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. In, order, in other words, where's the Bible? Where's the scrolls? Where's the worship? Where's the priests? They had none of that, and they're trying to live on God's land. See, these people who are, are uh, living openly in sin, pedophiles, you name it, they think they own things because nobody turns them in. They think they can get away with stuff forever because nobody says anything. Everybody plays their game. And so the God of the land is just showing up and doing what he does best. Amen. And that is exposing things. The king of Assyria commanded, carry 
to them one of the priests that you brought from there and let him go down and live there and let him teach them the manner of the God of the land. And that's what's going to happen in this nation. People are going to be taught of the Lord again. These stupid lawsuits because you don't want to put two men or two women on a cake somewhere and all that kind of stuff. And they take your house and everything that you worked hard for. That season is over, folks. The God of the land is here to show you he's in control and what he says goes. And so they were able to to stay the hand of God for a season from destroying them totally by bringing in a priest that knew how to put them to worship and how to teach them the ways of God. But they still compromised. But God is not going to stop until he eradicates all the compromise out of his worship, amen, and out of his people. All right. So God will compel people to serve him in the land that he has established. They won't have any peace until they get peace with God first. God had a covenant with Israel. They didn't keep it. But whatever land God gave them of old belongs to them now. That's why you see them being successful holding on to that little strip of land they have over there in the Middle East. And they will always be successful. Whatever God does, it lasts forever. Amen. So the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. Everything, whatever God does, it lasts forever. So you need to know that your God owns everything. Your God is the God of the land. And he will establish himself. And if you will continue to serve him, you will be established as well. When people come against you, they come against your God. Amen. Second Kings 19. We'll flip over a couple chapters. Starting in verse 15. So we get 19. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwell between the cherubims, you are God, even you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, and you have made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down your ear and hear. Open, Lord, your eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, who is the enemy, which has sent which has sent him to reproach the living God. So whenever somebody talks about you, they talk about your God. It's a reproach against God when one of his children is attacked. Now a lot of times people think, well, you know, uh may what did you do wrong? It doesn't matter. And if you know you did wrong, if you'll repent it'll go a whole lot better for you. You got me? But God, he, he will fight for you because they are defying him. It's not so much you, it's him that they are in defiance of. Second Chronicles 20.15 says the battle is the Lord's. You will not have to fight in this battle because the battle is the Lord's. This, this war that we are in started in heaven. It was always God's war. And it will continue to be God's war. You see that in Revelation uh, chapters 12 through 17. It's full of the the, uh, war that started in heaven where Lucifer was cast down to the earth. And he's mad because he messed it up in heaven and would love to get back there again, but he ain't getting back. So he has to do the best he can to mess with God while he's down here on earth. 
And so that war started in heaven and it continues down here on earth. This is just like round 10 or whatever it is or you know what I'm saying until the until the final bell uh, we get to to fight the enemy like that. But the battle is the Lord's. God sees everything and he keeps account of everything and everybody. In 2 Kings 19 and verses 27 he says, but I know thy abode and thy going out and thy coming in and thy rage against me. This is what God is saying against the enemies of Israel, Sennacherib. Because you rage against me and your tumult has come up into my ears, therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips and I will turn you back by the way which you came. So. What does it mean for God to put his hook in your, well, you don't go your own way anymore. You get led now. Amen. Because people have rebelled against God. See, we have gotten so used to sexual immorality. We have gotten so accustomed. We think nothing's going to happen to these people. And, you know, we just want to hold on until we get to heaven or whatever we're doing. But, no, God's going to take strip everything. He's going to judge people. And he is stripping everything from people that they have gotten illegally, that they have gotten immorally. He is stripping from the immorals because they have no foundation to hold on to any kind of prosperity. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He told Israel, he says, I'm not blessing you. I didn't call you out because you were were greater, mightier, uh, stronger, better. But I called you out because they're wicked. And I'm calling out a people who will live for me and who will lift me up in this wicked world. And so we're going to see many, many people. Remember our prophecy, wait till the dust settles. Amen. So we're just, God's just kicking up some dust now, folks. And, you know, stay prayerful, stay out of the way, keep your mouth shut, and wait till the dust settles. Just just stay holy before the Lord and let him do what he wants to do. Don't try to, don't try to stabilize anything that's falling. You got me? Don't try to, you know, we, we coddle people and, you know, um, come, you can, you know, come on, go to church and yeah, don't stay home today. Go and go worship God. Yeah. You know, quit coddling people. They have the Holy, the Holy Ghost tells them to do things long before you think to tell them. So if they want to defy God, let them just keep being crazy. Amen. But I would not be found sitting on the sidelines while God's sweeping dirt off the, you got me? You can't just just can't be where you want to be. You have to be where God positions you. So God sees everything. He keeps account of everything. We saw that there, that he he uh, um, he puts a hook in their jaw. He puts a noose around their head. And so he will lead them and turn them away from their prey. So if anybody's troubling you about anybody, anything, threatening you about anything, the devil's bugging you about when is God going to do something and are you sure you're waiting on God to do this or how long it's been, just know that that, that enemy already will be led away. He will be led by the same, the same crazy door he came in. God's going to lead him out of that. Amen. Many of these people who you see are, are, um, prideful celebrity people making millions of dollars they got no business with that kind of money as immoral as they are 
Right? It's just the truth. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for just people. That money belongs in the hand of righteous people. You got me? So God is just getting things sorted out. And, and righteous doesn't mean that because you, you're on television or you think you got it all going on. It means that you pass God's test. Amen. And he sees fit to bless you because you pass his test. So God will turn the enemy away from his prey. If the enemy is trying to prey on you, then God will turn him away. The same way he came in, he goes. Them people came into the world broken, naked. They're going to go out the same way. You hear me? God is not going to let wicked, evil people who use their influence and their position to take advantage of people. He's not going to let them prosper. Amen. They just think they're prospering, but their day has come. God will return to you all of your possessions. He will return your stolen inheritance. Amen. He will defend your city and rescue it for the sake of his covenant. Amen. In 2 Kings 19 and 34, God says, he says, we go to verse, what was the last one I did? I did uh, 30, 27. Okay. All right. Verse 28, because thy rage against me and the tumult is coming to my ear. So people who criticize God, blaspheme, all these wicked people just saying anything, don't go to church, don't pick on God's people. That's them. He said that's coming to his ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose, my bridle in your lips, and it's not going to feel good. And I will turn you back the way by which you came. See, when you are in pain, you'll go wherever somebody tells you to go to get relief. And that's what he's talking about. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall eat this year such things as grow of themselves. In the second year, that which springs of the same. In the third year, you will sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat the fruits thereof. So this is going to be a permanent. I mean, you can settle down. You can make plans. You can understand what God is doing. He said, and the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. They that escape from the mountain of Zion, the zeal of the Lord of his hosts shall do this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. This is for all wicked people. He shall not come into this city. And no. They ain't allowed back in. Nor shoot an arrow there. Nor come before it with a shield. Nor cast a bank against it. In other words, their strength is gone. And by the way he came, by the same shall he return. And shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city. To save it. For my own sake, for my servant David's sake. So in other words, you don't got nothing to do with this. It's not because you're so good. It's not because you're so bad. God has decided to do this himself. Amen. There's still a lot of Christians running around prophesying that America is being judged and we're going to go down and all this. kind. We ain't going nowhere. We're going up because God is in charge. 
See, I see wicked people getting exposed and losing their position, losing their credibility. Many of them are thinking they're going to be out for a season and come right back again. We got news for them. Huh? God is done with that kind of, you know, too much, too many people in positions of visibility to be examples. They're leading this nation downhill. All of these people that, you know, openly, uh, whatever, you know, is, is sick and God's sick of it. So it's going to turn around. God's turning it around. All he wants is for righteous people to obey him. That's all we got to do. Amen. So he will defend your city for the sake of his covenant is because he promised, because he said so. It has nothing to do with us. And I'll go, oh, well, let's fast and pray and see if we can get. <laughs> you didn't do it the last time you said you were doing it. You think that really moves God? It moves you out of the way so God can do something. But you're not impressing God, not forcing him to do anything. Amen? So, you know, if he calls a fast, fine. When God tells me not to eat, I don't eat. And it ain't a big deal. You understand what I'm saying? He knows how to prep his people. All I'm saying, them little gimmicks and tricks everybody uses to get God's hand to move. Read your Bible. Amen. No? You know the fast that he has chosen. He says, put away the pointing of the finger. Learn how to love and get along with it. You learn how to forgive one another. Amen. And let's get this show on the road. In other words, just live holy. Live holy. Amen. There's nothing wrong with fasting, but get it in your brain the right way, what you're doing. You're not impressing God to move. He knows what he is going to do and when he's going to do it. Amen. So you you need to fast to get yourself out of the way and move unbelief. That's fine. But you're not impressing God and pushing him to do anything. Not until he's ready. Amen. Remember those men that... that uh, um, <laughs> they put, they beat up Saul, a bunch of uh, religious people. And this is this is the other thing, you know. Fasting can be very religious oriented. Doesn't have to be yoga. People do that stuff, you know. And so they had uh, commanded Saul not to preach in Jesus' name, and he did it anyway. And they were mad at him, and they said, "We're not going to eat until he's dead." Huh? Huh? Everybody swore to one another they won't go eat till Saul was dead. Next thing you know, Saul's on a boat going somewhere. He's still alive. You got me? I don't know if they kept not eating or not, but they can help themselves. But you don't force anything by fasting. You really don't. So hopefully that's a help. If it made you mad, then, you know, repent. (laughs) But, you know, you need to use wisdom with what you're doing. It can be very effective if it's God-led and God-driven, but, you know, if it's not, let's, let's just, you know, a lot of times churches will call a fast first of the year. It's like a tradition. You can't eat New Year's Day and, you know, cooked all that. We brought out the crackling bread and all the chitlins and stuff. Big bottle of barbecue sauce sitting in the middle of the table and hot sauce and stuff. And them wings in the oven, all that stuff. 
cut a brother, he tell me. <laughs> That's why it's called holiday. Holy day. <laughs> it's a time for celebration. I mean, we can celebrate, folks. We ain't that time. Like Nehemiah said, eat the fat. Now, that was almost a sin. Because, you know, when they made sacrifices, the fat was God's portion. You didn't touch that fat on there. You got to lean. But he said, uh-uh, eat the fat. I said, oh, no. The Lord is my portion. Bring me that fat. Whatever. You know, eat your fat back. That's what you do. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, that's a, a, a gourmet item nowadays. Everybody doing the pork. They call it pork belly. I said, that looked like fat back to me, but I'm messing with nobody. You know, they get it and they rename it. You know, it's all, it's, it's all good then. So, fat back. Give my fat back. All right. So this, we said, it is not your fight, but the Lord. Second Chronicles 2015. We'll read that. 2015. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed. Okay? By reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So don't be afraid or dismayed at the size of the enemy, what he threatens, what he has in his mouth that's yours, that you feel like you got to get it out of his jaws in order to get your stuff back. Don't be afraid. He can be halfway devouring something, and you don't ever fear. The battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. So quit puzzling your little brain about what you're going to do and what move to make and all of that, just, you know, hold your peace, stay in the spirit, stay in your word, keep yourself encouraged, and God will come, and he will help, and he will deliver. Amen? Amen. You are not responsible to provide for yourself. Amen? All warriors, you are not responsible to provide what you need for this war. In 1 Corinthians 9, let's see that. First Corinthians 9 and verse 7, it says, who goes, who goes a warfare at any time at his own expense or charges? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit thereof? Or who feeds a flock and does not have the milk of the flock. So he's saying there are some things that are established truths. If you own property and you plant a vineyard, that's your stuff. It's undisputable. The same thing about financing your own warfare. You don't finance this warfare. God does. Which means that you don't have to create your own weapons. You don't have to create your own strategy. You don't have to pay for your own armor. All of that comes supplied, amen, is is government issue or kingdom issue. No. 
your finances, your weapons, your strategies, all of that are provided by God. You just have to be wise enough to seek him for what you do. Get your instruction. Get an understanding of what he expects of you. Understand your responsibility. So you don't provide those things. They are already provided for you. Amen. I see people sometimes go through great expense trying to get man to recognize their anointing, their office, their this, their that. It's not your job. Listen, if people recognize you too much, it must be something pretty shallow there. You understand what I'm saying? If it's something fairly deep, they run from you. (laughs) Prophetess Pepe Le Pew. When she shows up, they run. So so you got to know that you only have God to answer to. You got me? You only have God to answer to. Amen. You have a covenant with God that includes the fact that his enemies are your enemies. You are not in this alone. You are not fighting by yourself. He will fight for you, and he will teach you to fight. Amen? That second part is very important because many times people go out with one scripture and get disappointed because that don't move mountains for them. Uh Well, sometimes you have to dig down, dig a trench, and just wait it out until the enemy decides he's going to move. But you have to hold your ground and maintain your position. And so you must make the enemy move. You can't, you know, just say, well, you know, if God wants to deliver me, he'll deliver me. No, you are delivered. But you have to stand in that place in deliverance of deliverance and make the enemy quit opposing you. you gotta, you're going to find out that the greater one does live in you. But you find it out by standing your ground and holding your ground and not letting the enemy move you or discourage you. Or tell you you can't have something that's already given to you. You have to you have to fight for it every day. The, the devil let my stuff go. Get up in the morning, first thing your feet hit the ground. Devil let my stuff go. In Jesus name, give it up, devil. In the name of Jesus, you can't have it. Satan, give it up today. Give it up now. You can't have it no longer. You know, just let that be your daily routine as long, along with your worship and your prayer and your praise. Devil, let my stuff go. In Jesus' name, you can't hold it. You're not scaring me by threatening to take my money from me. You can't have it. Just for that, I'm going to take something from you. The devil wants you to be worried about stuff breaking down, getting repaired, breaking down, getting repaired. I mean, anything he can do to put you in a cramp, he'll do it. Loves worrying the saints. I I have a policy is to fix it as soon as it's broke, and you don't have to sit and look at it forever and get discouraged. You know what I'm saying? Just let's do it. Get her done. And you won't have him bugging you. You know, it's, it gets tense after a while. You know, put things off. Put the, You know, hesitation is always a sign of fear. It's always a sign of fear. You back up off of doing something. Huh? Just step out there and do it. Huh? God is with you. He's with you if you wait till everything falls apart. And he's with you if you jump on it right away. 
Either way around, he's with you. You know what I'm saying? It's up to you how much torture you want to put yourself through. Uh You are a part of an invisible army. Your army is invisible. Jesus is Lord of that army. He is the Lord of armies. Amen. Joshua, uh, Lord Sabaoth is what the Hebrew word is, and it means the Lord of armies. This is the same Lord that Hannah called on when she prayed for Samuel, for, her to, for God to give her a son. Why? Because she was up against it, folks. She's smart. She called on the right term. She said, God, I need the God that fights for me. Because all this has piled up on me down here, and, and I'm the barren wife, and this chick over here got seven or eight kids and bragging on it, and I want to punch her out, and, and my husband too. Huh? You know, I can we talk? When you want to beat the husband, beat the spare, beat them kids, and the priest is drunk, you need the Lord of Armies to come. I mean, she don't have a prayer in the natural. Huh? What did Eli? Eli was a permissive parent. His boys uh, fornicating at the tabernacle door and all that kind of stuff. They were stealing the offerings from the Lord. He was a hot mess. And everybody knew it. But she had to go to him for prayer. So don't tell me you don't need a strong God to come and pull you out of that one. She barely had enough confidence in God to go and ask his man to do something for her. And God did it. He was able to bring. So that's the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. Say, I need an army to come help me, God. You ever feel like that? <sighs> if I don't get a big army to come and help me, it ain't no help for me. Joshua 5, verse 13. Joshua met the captain of the invisible army. You can meet him, too. Huh? You know different than he is. It says in verse 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, Neither one of y'all. Are you for me is a question. You know, if you want to win, you had better jump on board up over in here. I don't fight your battles. You fighting along with me. Amen. That was never his battle anyway. This was always God's battle. So the captain of the host said, nope, but as captain of the hosts of the Lord, I am now come. So in other words, I'm coming to settle this. I'm not one of your boys. That you gets up early in the morning, you got to beat him and make him come and, you know, obey you and all that kind of stuff. You know how Israel was. Joshua, the only way he could win a war is he made everybody shut up. He didn't have to do this with this guy. In other words, he was this captain of the, the Lord's armies, distinguished himself 
from a, a an everyday Israelite. Okay? Say, I ain't one of your crew. You don't have to worry about me not running my mouth nowhere. You know, I'm I'm here to lead you. So without me, you don't win. You got me? So just let's have a little respect here. Understand who I am and what I'm here to do, and I'm going to get the job done. And so Joshua needed to see that God was in control, and he, he had strong help on his side. Other than that, we don't win any kind of war. unless we, If we don't believe in the ministry of angels and the invisible army of God that takes care and fights for us, that's how you can stay in the spirit in your battles. Amen. You don't have to jump out and tell nobody off and show somebody. I'm I'm going I'm to get them told next time. Uh, you don't have to live like that anymore. Amen. You let God tell them. Uh, you can do a lot more sometimes with your silence and keeping your peace than you can running your mouth. Uh, Amen. So Hannah received her miracle because the God who fights for her saw that she was in a war to conceive. And he came through for her. Amen. He came through for her. He had really shut up her womb because there was something special he wanted. And it had to come at a particular season, that kind of stuff. And so you have to understand that God does that. He's a sovereign God. So if he needs your kid for something, he'll delay things. He'll put it off. He'll do whatever he needs to do. But God will have his way. Amen. The next item, faith is your best friend. Amen. And doubt is your worst enemy. Doubt and fear are your worst enemies. If you're a warrior for God, faith is your best friend. Whatever you got to do to keep faith alive, do it. Do it. Our biggest problem is of fellowship and companionship with the wrong people. I always tell people, I say, you know, if you if you got a friend that's so anointed they make you nervous, that make that your best friend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, don't don't be around people that just want to man please all the time and let you stay in your soul and don't want to pull you up back into the spirit when you you know you need spiritual help. We all need it. That's why we're a body. Hebrews eleven six. Faith being your best friend, without it, it's impossible to please God. You can't please him without faith. Amen. If you come to God, you got to know that he's got the goods, and you got to know that you're trusting him, and that you trust him to do it. You can't go doubting, and you can't go trying to see see what God's got. He got it all. He don't have to show you nothing. Amen. You, But you must believe, man, because we're, we're capable of faith. You are very capable of believing God for extraordinary things. There's a need to get yourself in a spot where you can do that. Next item, we do not fight people. Ephesians 6. That's chump change. Just think, if you fight flesh and blood, you have to fight everybody in the neighborhood to get what you want. So why not just take care of the strong man and get it over with? That's the way I look at it. And go back to sleep somewhere, you know. (laughs) Seriously, who needs it? 
I remember when we were kids going to school, there was bullies in the neighborhood. See, we didn't go on social media and whine about it. Oh, we have to we have to have an anti-bullying policy. No, you you watched them. They jump on you one time, or they trying to run the streets. You know, walk down the streets. You got to get out the way, and all. No, you watch them. And when you see them by themselves. You go get your little crew. Huh? That's how you handle bullies back in the day. They bullied no more. Amen. You just gave them the same thing they gave you. Huh? Oops, how did I get over there? Let's see. We were in Ephesians 6, right? (laughs) But you know, like everything's a big deal. I, I so detest that manner of thinking. You know why? Because it strips people of even even the desire to defend themselves. You know, like you gotta you gotta make a big deal about somebody who's saying something to you, trying to overpower you. It's almost like you don't even have a uh, a reflex in you that wants to defend your own life. You know, I mean. Uh, and and I am a spiritual. <laughs> Don't sound like it. <laughs> I'll cut a brother over my. <laughs> what I'm talking about. I am a dignified spiritual wall, y'all. But uh, you know, just even when you think in the natural, some of the stuff people subscribe to anymore makes no sense. You know. And they're just as angry and violent, but they're trying to pretend like they're, you know, victims. We're not victims here, folks. You are a victor. You are more than a conqueror. So we do not fight people. Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. See, that's what people are scared of. When when you start looking at somebody who's opposing you, the fact that there's a devil involved there scares most Christians. So you'd rather try and play some kind of flesh game to see if you can get the upper hand. Huh? See, if I told most parents, your kid got a devil. <laughs> what you mean? Uh, so we still kind of tend to get offended about spiritual things and spiritual truth. But I'm going to tell you something. That's the only way you're going to get your kid free. Amen. you got to recognize there's a devil. devil jump on anybody. Amen. He'll use anybody. He'll influence anybody. You know, and there's a lot of opportunity for him to influence young people now, everybody now. You know, you can get on, you know, you give your kid a, a cell phone. They want to text their friends. Before you know it, the whole neighborhood's in an uproar. She called my child so-and-so, and they they don't get along anymore. Huh? And that was a devil that made them beg you to give it to them. Got me? 
So now you're complicit <laughs> in your child's naughtiness. Huh? It's complicated sometimes, but you can straighten it out. You know, you just want to be a good parent. You don't want to want them to be without. They need to get a hold of you sometime, et cetera, et cetera. And before you know it, it's causing them trouble. And so you have to be wise as a parent to understand how to keep control in some of these situations. You know, take that thing away from them. Unplug it sometime. Put some limits and put some, huh? It's the cell phone. It's a new television. Remember, parents sit their kids in front of TV all day long. The built-in babysitter. And you didn't care what they watched as long as they stayed out of your hair long enough for you to get some. It's just life. So as Christian parents, we got to recognize that we're wrestling against principalities and powers, spiritual things. These are spiritual forces that are arrayed and watching your family continually to get a grip on things. Amen. To worm their way in. You know, I don't care how often I have to preach to to the wallpaper about don't fornicate. I'm going to do it because that's a sin that's taking people down. <laughs> Sexual sin is taking people down like everything nowadays. Huh? You know, you look out and you say, well, ain't that many young people. Maybe this ain't the right. That's a good message every day. Because old people done got crazy. Just saying. Hmm? Shacking up together and all this crazy. That's my boyfriend. How old are you, brother? You look, you look eighty. You know they in a retirement villa somewhere, shacked up with each other. I said, "How dare you? You supposed to be trying to go out holy. You didn't live for the devil all your life, and you still don't know how to quit." Jeez. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And for that reason, put on the whole armor of God. You know, don't just jump out here and think you go for bad. And you're not recognizing God's authority. You're not recognizing his word, his power, any of that. He said, take on the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand. Huh? That's what you do. You take your position and you refuse to move. That's what this warfare is about. It's about possessing for God by taking your position and refusing to move. I don't care what they promise you or what they threaten you with or what they tell you you can't do and all of this kind of stuff. You do it. Huh? I remember I started this ministry. I ran into so many uh, ministers want to prophesy to my husband that he was supposed to be a minister too. I'm thinking, what do y'all smoke before you come in here? You know, it's like, where did they get this stuff from? Just some old dead tradition that they don't even believe. But they want to bind you up with their nonsense, want to make you go sit down and disobey God and quit doing what God called you to do. huh? Well, I pray for you that, that you, you and your husband stop. No, thank you. I don't need your prayer. 
Huh? And I don't. I'm praying for me, you lying. Because you don't even look like you pray. <laughs> you know, people need to stop. They just mind your business. Huh? I mean, I realize prophecy is a gift of the Holy Ghost when it's prophecy. But when it's just made up and lies and you trying to make somebody do something you think they ought to do, why are you so interested in what I'm doing? Huh? Jesus is the head of the church. I got him to please. Huh? Or who is your covering? You know, who? I said, well, you wouldn't know him anyway. His name's Jesus, you imbecile. And they try to talk to the people in the ministry to, well, he, you know, you real gifted and then trying to lure them over there. Huh? <laughs> Crazy. So we fight strong men. So that's why we have to be strong. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh You see the strength of the Lord by holding your ground. Hmm? You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. If I get offended by people trying to tell me what to do with my call and ministry and life and all that kind of stuff, I'd be out there trying to prove who I am. Huh? But I decided I would not be moved. You just stand and don't move. I know what I'm supposed to do for God. Do you? Dipping over in my business and you ain't even prophesying. Huh? You got sense enough to know what prophecy is yet. I mean, seriously, they act like you just fell off the turnip truck or something. You know, it's like, she's plopped up here and let's see if we we can talk to her and tell her not to do what she's doing. That is the last thing, that's the last thing a true prophet of God would want to do is talk somebody out of serving God. I'm here to encourage you the right way. You understand what I'm saying? We don't stop people, we encourage people to. So, put on the full armor of God. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Not in what you think is power. You don't have to scream at the devil to get him to move. I just look at him. Huh? Seriously. You know, I mean... that's a move in the spirit. The Bible says that, that the king scatters wickedness with his eyes. That's what the stare down is for. Uh-huh. You know, I, I mean, I was a submitted wife, you know, to my late husband, and I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but you know, he get it sometimes, too, when he go too far. You understand what I'm saying? People can be angry and antagonistic toward you and step into God. 
And he knew when I meant back up. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, for your own good. Because I'm going to be here. I know how to repent and get, my, and get myself together. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I see that. I see, I, yeah. I'm the first one bawling and squalling and slobbering. But, you know, but some people don't know that. They don't have that really. And they think it's you just a person. And I'm going to tell you for you, you are not mere people. You got me? You belong to God. Oh, now. We don't live out of the natural. You're somebody in the realm of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the devil's always yip, yipping and yanging at everything you got? True warriors must be under authority. Matthew 8. You cannot be a lone wolf, lone ranger. You know, the church hopping thing, you know, people offended. I, I don't even listen to them because they need to get over it. I mean, and you can get over it in God. All this, you know, you got to have psychiatric help and counseling and all this stuff. Just go home and read your Bible and skip all of that. And just trying to get authority. I mean, trying to get attention. Don't know how to come to church, be humble, go sit and learn something. You want to run stuff. You're running nothing. Verse 9, verse 8 in Matthew, Matthew 8. The centurion answered Jesus and said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only. And my servant will be healed. That's what you do. You speak the word only. And this is why your prayers work. He says, for I am a man under authority. So he knew Jesus had a higher power working for him. He was not a mere man. He says, I can tell by the way you operate, this ain't your power you're using. He says, I'm a man under authority, and I say to this one, do this, he does it. Not because of me, but because of who is over me. And so that's what we do. Our words work because of who is over us. So you must be under authority. You cannot be a church hopper and get anything from God. You've got to get planted somewhere. I don't care where it is, but get planted. Show God your willingness to submit. Oh, that went over real big. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't know how to come under authority. They think because they got a gift, everybody's waiting to, to see it, you know. Like your gift is here to take over the world. That's not true. Devil used to tell me the same thing too. Till I realized that was the devil talking to me. Huh? And nobody's that important. Huh? You know, we have people come to the conference, wait till the meeting's over, want to prophesy to somebody. (laughs) Who said that? (laughs) Oh, Lord. I should have known the food was smelling. Guess who shows up? 
Don't be messing with me, Prophet Waller. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, the reason we, we started challenging people, number one, they're not in order. And that's not God speaking through them. That's just a head. And they know how to get their voice under control to give you a little goosebump so you think it's God. See, if, you're, if your flesh is bumping, then your spirit's diverted. You can't pick up in your spirit. That's how witches operate. But, you know, we started challenging them just so people they were speaking to would know what kind of spirit they really have. And remember in the Bible it says that when uh, the uh, Hebrew boys, Nebuchadnezzar, when the Hebrew boys refused to bow. See, when we refuse to bow to these people sneaking in with their little fake ministries, and it says Nebuchadnezzar's visage, his face, his countenance changed. And he went from pleasant and nice to angry. And I like for people who are receiving, trying to receive a word from people to see that. See, that's the kind of spirit that's really in that person. Like the sister who was here earlier, she was just as pleasant and peaceful. I asked her to hold her word until after the praise and worship was over. And she complied, and it was God. You understand what I'm saying? It's helpful to learn how to submit to whoever is in authority in that meeting. If they tell you the meeting is closed, what do that mean? Go home. <laughs> Unless we're going to take a third offering. you know. But well, we got that already, so go home. When the person in charge stands there and dismisses people for the night, that means it's over. You don't get up and prophesy to nobody. If you wanted to prophesy, you come up during the time of the meeting. You can get anybody around there that looks like they're going to slap you if you come up too far. You know what I'm saying. You can get anybody. You can go back to the control board, ask somebody, tell them you got a word. And we'll make sure that we judge it if it's of God. Good. We'll just let you prophesy all you want to. But you know what I'm saying. Go find your, go rent your own space. That's what I always tell people. Go rent your own place to prophesy in. You want to do something, do that. Make sure your leader is under authority. (laughs) I'm just being a little rambunctious today, but (laughs) praise God. We are in a war of words. We're in a war of words. See, uh, the press in this nation thinks that they're winning the war of words because they are constantly spewing anti-government stuff, anti-whatever it is. They want to run things. They're not so interested in the other party and what they stand for. They want control. They want to control what you think. They want to control what you buy. They want to control everything. But they don't have the anointing that we have. See, we can cut through all of that. They can stand there and and completely try and brainwash people. And a child of God will get up with one word from god and slice it all in half all their work is gone so if you're under authority you have instructions as to what to do mark 16 17 and 18 
and follow that word with confidence because God is with you. Always pray and ask God to give you words to say that are going to edify people, set them free, get them saved, pray for people, for their needs. Always show the compassion of God. And the power will be there. If you'll submit yourself to God and not try to let it be about you, the power will be there. You need to know that God backs you up in everything you do. He will back you up. Your sins are forgiven, so act like it. Hmm? You're not a saint, is just a sinner who fell down and got up. Don't be stupid. You know, I mean, I don't care that. Well, Lucifer, you know, he makes the song sound real nice. And that nice man sings it, you know. And, and he says he just falls down and gets up. Well, that's him. I'm blood washed when I get up off that. Blood bought, blood. Don't ever play the blood of Jesus cheap. Like, it, you know, that ain't nothing. You know, you just fall down and get up when nobody's watching. And see if you can act like you're still holy. Let's let's be real here, folks. It's, Jesus gave a lot for us. Least we can do is be respectful of it. Huh? Even if you don't live it 100%, be respectful of it. Well, so your sins are forgiven. There are no wicked warriors in this army. Amen. In other words, you don't play witchcraft one minute and go pray the next. Huh? Manipulating people and flattering people and trying to get them to do stuff for you. And then, you know, no, you just, no wicked warriors. We just all, yeah. you need to know that there are arrest warrants against the devil for the evil he has done. You are the sheriff. So put your badge on and wear your weapons at all times. Amen. So that we can carry out the written judgments is already written. You don't have to have nobody's permission to tell the devil to stop. Tell him to leave your kids alone. Tell him to leave your job alone. Tell him to leave your neighbors alone. You can command him and arrest him. One of the problems, he runs too much is too much attention and he's able to get too many people convinced that wrong is right and right is wrong that's what's wrong in this country and it's up to us the army of god to back god up in his word amen you get out there and you declare the word of the lord you tell people you know what you can't live like this and say you love god you understand what i'm saying there's got to be a faith is an act you know it's an act of holiness number one and and God will help you in everything that you do. But this sloppy living by God's people is this over. Because look at what he's doing to the world. You don't want to get caught up with them people out there. Because their number is so up. huh? Their number is so up. And don't think these people aren't being helped by God when they start ratting on these people. That's God exposing people. They can't help but tell the truth about it now. So it's going to, a lot of more people are going to get exposed, folks. You can, you know, just observe what God's doing. Thank God for what he's doing and ask him your part in it. 
But if if you're a warrior for God, those are things that you need to know about what God has for you and about your job. Amen. All right, we can stop. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that we are warriors. Thank you, Lord. Okay, Jesus. Now, the Lord is saying this. He said, if you'd spend more time in the spirit, in your word, meditating, praying in tongues, you would find the warrior is inside of you. It says there's a warrior inside all of my people. Some are more developed than others. But if you don't feel that we've just described you, spend time with me in the spirit and learn how to release the warrior that is within you because he is surely there. Some of you may think that that authority thing or that woman looks real brash and and rough and aggressive and all of that. But you have that same spirit in you, says the Spirit of God. And that spirit to resist and resist and resist and resist the enemy until I make that enemy my footstool, says the Lord. So your job is to release the warrior that is in you. And I'm calling him up for service like never before, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.